Good morning, podcast listeners. This is The Commute. Sure hope you can hear us. We are not connected to Bluetooth, but Bluetooth is on. This is The Commute Podcast. It is Friday, the August of August. August is always a weird month for me. You think it's back to school even when you're not in school. It feels short because the month is split between summer and school, between summer and fall. It's unsure of what it wants to be and how it feels. But it, uh, we're surviving this August. Got a lovely little rain. It's a little humid out today. And uh, we're just recording a commute podcast. We haven't uploaded the last, like, three or four episodes, so it's almost like we could write this on the presumption that we won't... record this on the presumption that we won't upload it. Which really gives you the freedom to say things you otherwise wouldn't. And Michael and I were talking about this over chat. Your co-host, Michael Zeke, could not be with us today due to time zones. Michael's traveling through time and space. He's currently located in Los Angeles, California. Dreaming of butterfly kisses and long flowing hair. And Hollywood starlets and long flowing hair. But we were talking about the commute as it evolves into what its final form will be. Probably a Charizard. But along the way, finding this balance of engaging with your real self and saying things you don't mind having on the record. So, let me explain. You want to make an interesting show and really delve down deep and make art that means something to you. That's kind of the point of all art. It has to come from somewhere of value, of importance. But saying those things can be very opening. It can really reveal a layer of yourself that you don't want other people to know and you frankly don't want to admit to yourself. And obviously I haven't gotten there at all in the podcast when I say it like that. But you walk this fine line of what's in general an interesting story and what's specific to me is too much information. And finding that balance is very interesting and it's part of the flavor of this podcast as we record it for nobody. And Mike Z continues to pay uh, for half of the SoundCloud memberships so that we can host it. Which is funny because we really could probably be hosting this on like a Google Drive or something for free because literally no one listens. Except for you, The Void, that's why we love you. You're the void, and we love you, and you got butterfly kisses. So, that true self, that being the real you, I want to talk about uh, that some more, and then I'll talk about the virtual you, and then I'll tie it all together. How's that sound? The real, the virtual, and the you. What it means to exist in the 21st century. And I don't think uh, every podcast needs to be a PhD argument, a thesis defense, but it's just the stuff that crosses my mind, you know? (sighs) Being the real you. What does that entail? What are you? I've talked previously about the Kyrgyzstashed video about the split hemispheres of your brain and how they can have different opinions on their favorite color and different reactions in certain scenarios and different feelings about people and levels of outgoingness, personality, extroversion. So 
if there are two inside of you, already you begin to ask, how can I be the real me? From there, is your mood and your state of being determined entirely by your brain? If your legs feel tired, does that signal affect the way your brain works? If you ate some bad food, does that illness affect your mood? If you ate some good food, does it make you appreciate the people you're eating with more? So, not just literally physically ingesting thing, but external stimuli and proprio-sensory, the parts of your body that aren't your brain still send signals to your brain that determine how your brain feels and interprets the world around it. And subtle things, too. You can prime people to be, you know, hungrier with showing them the colors red and yellow at the same time. It was a study done a long time ago. I don't know if it was reproducible, but I think that's the old wives' tale of where McDonald's got their color from. Colors. So, if you are already a factor of your external conditions, and you obviously can't control all of those, can you be a real you in a real world? If you could maintain it, silo out a little world for yourself, which a lot of people try to do, listening to the same political opinions they have and hanging out with people that are exactly like them, would it be easier for you to be yourself? Or do you need to help discover yourself by trying new things, by evolving and letting die the things that you don't need? Dude, an Audi just gave this homeless guy money. That's great. Good for you, man. Happy Friday. You're a nice dude. No, might not be a homeless guy. Guy with a sign. I think an effort to... I don't think it's the journalism. I think it's more the uh, rationality blog. Make an effort to say the facts without... Uh, no, this is definitely helped by the journalism. Hanging out in a news station all day. You can't just say, oh, that homeless guy. No, there's a man sitting by the side of the freeway. I can't read a sign. I don't know what it says. I don't know if his sign's accurate and true. Maybe he's just holding his sign for a friend. The guy sitting next to the highway. He's trying to be his real self. And how do you become that? And the most general obvious answer is whatever, whatever works for you. We made the left onto the highway, so let's talk about the virtual you. If you can exist in a vacuum of your own creation and tailor things how you want them, would that make you more or less you? Would you want to be a brain in a vat if you could choose the life you could lead? Would you choose to have some struggles so it still felt like the real world? But on the whole, have a pretty privileged, good life. And of course, then you have to ask, are you living a virtual life already? <laughs>
that's not where I was really going with this. I think the opposite of the real life is this wire-heading virtual world we can already come close to. Um, I picked up No Man's Sky yesterday, and it's great. And you could literally explore your entire lifetime and not see a percent of that universe. Not see a percent of a percent of a percent. You could even not explore, read what other people have explored, and still not see a percent of a percent of that universe. And so, there's an interesting content question there. Because I've often wondered, how much content does the average person consume? Because I've worked in content for over a decade now, and how much quality content is being made, could someone simply watch the best stuff and find enough that's just really great and never have to worry about the garbage that's being made? And there's an interesting subjective point there, going back to the real self what some people dub garbage, other people really genuinely enjoy. So how do you help that person find those things? Especially if that person is yourself. And No Man's Sky, there have already been Reddit links of ridiculous creatures, little gifts of stuff they found and how they move around. And that's amazing. So if someone else discovers a thing in this virtual world and shares it with a small group and they all like it and upvote it and that gets to a bigger group and they all like it and upvote it and that reaches more people it is possible to find enough content out of all those worlds and I don't just mean the worlds of No Man's Sky, obviously. I mean the worlds of art and literature and music and podcasts. And There's far more than enough to entertain you till you die. And really, there's enough to go above and beyond what the average consumer consumes. You could fill every waking moment of your life only the best content. And I like content because it's so digital. You could say similar things, not exactly the same, about food or golf courses or other hobbies. But with content, because it's all so digital, you could just download more. You could find new content and have it queued up for you before you finish the stuff you're already on. endless stream of content. And there are thousands of people working in news who want to provide that to you. Be the place to tune in. They don't want to buy the rights to Star Wars when you want to watch Star Wars, but if they could pro provide you that subjective experience of what's the best thing for you, knowing that you would tune in and watch it, they'd be willing to do it. But, is that what's best for you? And this took an unexpected turn here today. If you are trying to be a real you, but you need 
outside opinions to help bounce off of. Like John Stuart Mill says, there's no bad argument because either it's a quality, intelligent argument that you can learn from, or it's a bad argument that you can learn not to argue. Thomas Edison found thousands of ways not to make a light bulb. He didn't fail. He did science and eventually used that science to create light bulbs. Now, there's some fuzziness in the history there, but my point is... Finding this never-ending stream of content that is subjectively the best thing for you needs to have things that aren't great for you and that you dislike. Not just to grow as a person, but to appreciate the sweet without the sour sort of life. You need to know what's out there. Yet, there's approaching infinite quantity of stuff out there. So what do humans need to consume? What helps you be a better you? What makes you you? These are the questions that rattle around my brain. And I don't think anyone has answers for them. You. Digital you. false vacuums I don't know man have a happy Friday do what makes you you thanks for listening as always this has been The Commute and we will catch you next time peace